Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 202. This episode was recorded in Tenafly, New Jersey. That's up in the northern part of New Jersey. I think it's in Bergen County. And my guest for today is Richard Reynolds. Richard is a member of a community who goes by the name of RATS. Now that's an acronym, but they also deal with RATS. The acronym is the Riders Alley Trencher Fed Society. And they breed and work terriers, dogs, to hunt out rats and to help control the population of rats and to really allow these dogs to do what they do. And so there are people who reach out to them and say, I've got a rat problem. Uh, The city itself will reach out and say, we've got a rat problem. And they come in with the dogs and the dogs do what they do and they take out the rats. But in talking to Richard, it's really, to me, about the dogs. You can tell he has a lot of love and reverence for the dogs, and he was gracious enough to host us at his property, and we got to meet a couple of them. They're really energetic, really cute, and really cool. But it's really allowing the dogs to to hunt and to expend their energy and to do what they do, while also solving a problem here in New York and in other places. If you're from New York City or you've traveled to New York City or really any major city anywhere, you've experienced rats. Rats pulling full pieces of pizza down the sidewalk, pulling a full bag of Doritos down into a hole, all sorts of things that might terrorize you. But it's really cool talking to Richard because... He kind of demystifies rats, and he tells the story in a way that doesn't sensationalize them. They're just an animal like any other animal, and in reality, maybe even a clean animal. So this was a really cool conversation. Uh, I linked to the rats Facebook in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to learn a little bit more about them or reach out to them, I'll also include the email address that he mentions. And um, they do, or they used to really, I think maybe more, maybe pre-COVID, have people join them. Their Facebook mentions that people from as far as Cairo, Egypt, have come and joined them on these night hunts. I actually really want to do one too. So maybe you still can reach out to the email address in the show notes and you will be in communication with them. Really, uh, really knowledgeable guy. It's really cool hearing about rats uh, throughout history uh, and everything that the city's trying to do to uh, to sort of curb the 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 population of uh, of rats. Interesting stuff. There's also a link to my Patreon account in the show notes. You know what that is? It's a subscription based service where you can give monthly and get some cool kickbacks. All right, folks. Enjoy this conversation with Richard Reynolds. First of all, thank you. Thank you for hosting us here. This is really cool and unique, I think. You are the the first person who I guess would maybe describe themselves as a, a rat hunter who's been on this podcast. I saw your email signature said, rat catcher. So I wonder when you first meet people, you know, and you get the, well, what do you do question, 
do you respond with, oh, I'm a rat catcher? The, the, the rat catcher is a uh, moniker that was given to me by the BBC. Oh, yeah? Uh, and I cherish it. Uh, it's fairly accurate in, in its description, but I'm not the first by any means. Uh, there have been rat catchers, oh, for the past 300 years. Mm. Uh, it's a, a, a noble profession in England. Uh, we've only had one rat catcher that's... Uh, been a paid job here in the United States, and uh, that disappeared due to the pandemic. But uh, really, we had a guy in in Washington D.C. that was actually a paid rat catcher with his dogs. Uh, but no, it's a it's a noble profession, and uh, I'm claiming it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think most people with like a high school education would know that rats throughout time have been a nuisance. Uh, not only in like eating crops and things like that, but going back to the plague, spreading diseases. Is that sort of like the the primary reason why you and your group are trying to reduce the rat population? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> all of our group are, are primarily what you could term dog people. Hmm. We all have an interest in dogs other than roaming the streets of New York, assassinating rats. Uh, most of them are terriers. Some of them are dachshunds. But our, our primary interest is in the uh, advancement of the dog through preserving its working qualities. Mm. Uh, we're out there for the dogs, with the dogs, and by the dogs. Uh, we want to promote purebred dogs in and of themselves. My experience in trying to promote purebred dogs to the public is dismal. Nobody cares. But when we start killing rats, that's very attractive to mm. the media, such as yourself. It brought you here. Sure did. Uh, so we shamelessly capitalize on that uh, to uh, promote our dogs. We keep them working just as they have been since the breeds were developed. So they, they've been bred to, to hunt then? The terriers were bred in England originally to remove vermin, various types of vermin, whether it's above the ground, rats, or below the ground, fox and badger. Uh, that was their role in life. And the other terrier breeds, as it spread, the, the, the Chesky Terriers and the uh, Yacht Terriers and even the Jack Russells of this country are still primarily vermin-catching critters. Ah, so then do they need training or are they sort of instinctually, like when you're taking them on these hunts, like going after rats? Yes, to both. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a very definite instinct in mm. the terriers to a, a greater or lesser degree. It varies by breed. It varies by individual within the breed. But uh, they take some on-the-job training, and uh, sooner or later, the light goes on, and they say, oh, this is what my role in life is. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not. Uh, we have a formal training ground down in Mount Laurel, and uh, the AKC has a training program, and the American Working Terrier Association has a training program that most of our dogs go through. And after that, there's a period of on-the-job training, which 
can last from about 20 seconds to <laughs> a year or more, depending upon the individuals. Wow. So then did your interest in dogs come from early in life? Originally, all of the terriers came from England. Uh the Germans, for their part, didn't want the English to have a monopoly, so they invented a few. Uh, there's a, a Polish uh, terrier. There's there's a, a Czech terrier, Australian terrier, uh, a Boston terrier, which really doesn't qualify because it doesn't hunt, but it's still called a terrier. So yes, they're British, but but they've spread. Hmm. So then what is your interest in maintaining these dogs and these these purebred dogs? Are you trying to like keep that almost like cultural element alive? Not directly. Uh, the important thing is there, there's a lot of breeds of dog. And the reason there's so many breeds of dog is because they're all intended for a purpose. Mm. You may subscribe to the purpose, you may not. I uh, I don't believe I'm going to carry a Pekingese in my sleeve. Uh, but the the working terriers all have different conformation because they do slightly different jobs. If you lose that, if you lose the subtle differences in the breeds, you only are left with one mm. breed, and, and we want to preserve the, the, the differences. Does it does it seem like the when you go on these hunts that the dogs are like enjoying it? Are they happy? Do you think? <sighs> you're 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 asking if they're happy to breathe when they get up in the morning. <laughs> it, it's that closely related. Wow. Uh, the uh, little black dogs that you see out in the back are are out there for a reason. They they hunt. Hmm. Period. They're not your house pet. They're not, they don't want to be warm and snuggly with you. They want to hunt. And if they don't hunt every week, they become problematic. Wow. So they, it's it's born and bred. Any dog will kill a rat. Well, we get any number of tryouts <laughs> with people who bring their, their New York apartment dwelling house pets. Really? And we can set it up so they'll kill a rat. Any any dog will do it. You don't have to be a terrier. But the terriers do it better. And when you want to catch four rats at one time, you're going to have a terrier and you're going to have a well-trained terrier. Wow. So when did your organization come together? We've been doing this about 30 years ago. Wow. Uh, 30 years. And and we don't we don't have an organization. There there's there's no club. There's no charter. There's no constitution. There's no. Well, we do have dues. They're a dollar a year, <laughs> and uh, we do have uh, what we call a capping fee, which is a five dollars every time you go out to hunt with your dog. But other than that, we've survived for thirty years on no infrastructure whatsoever, and I think that's why it works. And now even people who have like a pest problem can reach out to you guys to come for like a no-fee eradication of rats. Yeah, everybody wants to try. Uh, if I had a dollar for everybody that says my dog killed a rat in Riverside <laughs> Park, uh, I'd be wealthy. But uh, And we give everybody a chance once, and then maybe you don't hear about it anymore. 
rat hunts. Yeah. Or you do. You know, everybody joins sometime or other. Well, there's upwards of like 50 million potentially rats in New York City, right? There have been any number of <laughs> studies done, one of which we participated in uh, with Fordham University. And the number of rats in New York City has been variously stated as 2 million, one for every human population, one, one for every human resident of the city, and, and numbers on up. And, and the fact of the matter is nobody knows. Mm. Uh, it's impossible to count rats because you end up counting the same rat 20 times. I mean, it, it's easy to do. Uh, the rat population moves day to day even from one part of the city to another part of the city. And the only way you can come reasonably close to determining the total amount of rats is by DNA analysis. And we provided, for three or four years, we provided all of our rat tails to Fordham University uh, for their DNA study. Wow. Which identified downtown rats, uptown rats, and uh, everything in between. And I don't know what their final result was, but I don't hold much stock in the 2 million, and I hold even less in 15 million. Hmm. So you're saying you think it's a lot more? No. Oh. Uh, I, I don't, and, and it's so variable. I mean, the amount okay. of rat, the total amount of rats that you have this week is completely different from what you had last week. Huh, okay. And it's dependent on the season. Uh, rats don't hibernate, but they don't breed in the wintertime. Oh. So your population's going to diminish because your mortality rate continues at the same level but you're not replacing them with younger ones. Uh, right now, we're taking rats that weigh between four and 650 grams, uh, which is, they're all adult rats. We're not taking any juveniles. Now, come March or April, we'll be taking juveniles again. But to, to calculate the total amount of rats, uh, the, the, the standing joke in New York amongst the rat population is where is the most heavily infested rat neighborhood? Yeah. And the answer is the Upper East Side. And the reason that's a joke is because the city's rat census is predicated on complaints. Okay, yeah. And That makes sense. My friends on the Upper East Side who come out of their penthouses and see a rat immediately dial 311. The person who lives in the housing projects on the Lower East Side simply trips over the rat and goes on with their business for the day. Yeah. So the joke is, what's the most heavily? The Upper East Side, because that's where all the complaints are. I gotcha. When I was younger, I grew up on Long Island. So I went to a couple of concerts at Jones Beach. And at the end of a concert, if you stuck around, you would see all these rats starting to come up like out of the water in the parking lot and just sort of swarming where people had left food. Um, are there 
not necessarily neighborhoods in New York City, but like types of locations? Are, are there more closer to the rivers or obviously like in the t- subway tunnels? There are rats anywhere there's a food supply. Yeah. And what you just described is uh, is happening today uh, with the pandemic. The mm. restaurants have moved to outdoor dining. The rats are very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> and with control, they manage to wait till the diners leave. Sometimes they don't, and we get a call almost before the the food hits the ground. I mean, as the people flee from the restaurant, uh, it's happening. But that's a result of a change in the food supply. Yeah. There are numerous what we call rat reservoirs in the city. And a rat reservoir is a congregation of rats. It's a, it's a breeding ground. Oh, God. Uh, you heard, I think, perhaps about uh, some rats that engendered a cave-in up in Harlem not too long ago. Didn't a man fall in? Yeah. Uh, that was a rat reservoir. Oh, my God. Where the rats have, and, and so cement sidewalks, nothing stands in the way of creating these. Uh, it doesn't matter. Rats will eat cement uh, to, to build their, uh, I shouldn't say they eat it, they gnaw it, uh, to build their rat reservoir. Now, the reservoir can't support the population of the rats that are born there, so they migrate. Uh, it, it's kind of like getting kicked out of your parental home. Go find your own place to live and, and mooch food. Yeah. So they spread, but not not exceedingly far uh, across town. Sure, they'll they'll get that far, but but not much further. You couldn't send dogs into a, a rat reservoir, right? It's too many. Uh, we could, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, we the, the, our our first priority in everything we do is the safety of the dogs. Yeah. We have numerous unwritten rules to for the for their safety. Uh, we're not going into subways because of the third rail danger and everything else. And you, you don't want to send a dog in. Our dogs are trained to work underground. In the when they're not hunting rats, they hunt woodchuck. They hunt fox. They hunt. Uh, raccoons underground in their dens in the country, which is the definition of a working terrier. Uh, But we don't send them places where we don't know that we can get them back. Mm. So to send, I'm thinking of one particular rat reservoir near and dear to my heart that was (laughs) fairly easily accessible, but it was under a sidewalk. And if I got a dog down there that decided that got hurt or decided it didn't want to come out, I couldn't get him back. And we don't do that intentionally. So in New York, our our hunting is limited to uh, what we find on the streets. Yeah. When the rat goes out to dinner, they're fair game. My brethren in, in the UK that hunt hunt rubbish tips and farms where they they do invade the rat reservoirs. And and for them, it's not uncommon to take four or five dogs and in four hours get 680 rats. They do it almost every month. Uh, We don't have that kind of population. 
if I saw a rat reservoir or if most New Yorkers saw a rat reservoir, they would freak out. Most of them have seen it. Oh, okay. <laughs> they just don't know it. Really? Uh, a, a rat reservoir will have activity every night. You'll, you'll see them coming and going. There's no food supply. There, there's food supply nearby, but they, they still have to go out and get it. Yeah. Uh, oh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Robert Sullivan did a book some years ago uh, entitled Rats and subtitled New York City's Most Unwelcome Inhabitants. And he just sat for a year by two rat reservoirs observing what went on and he'd go every day and make notes and so forth and even to the point of identifying individuals. So if you want a study of, of rat sociology, I guess you you read Bob Sullivan's book. Did you see the the documentary Rats by Morgan Spurlock? Yes. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I saw it. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, where I was going with that question about uh, most people being probably freaked out by seeing like a giant congregation of rats, you're quite experienced in this, but has there ever been a situation where you were just like, whoa, this is almost too much for me. This is turning my stomach. No, there's only one semi-documented occurrence of rats attacking a human being. And that was in the 1800s on uh, Fulton Street, I think, somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, where a woman was walking by and uh, it's alleged that a pack of rats set on her and so forth. And I don't disbelieve it, but I haven't seen much proof either. Mm. And we've all been attacked by single rats. There's nothing, uh, nothing more admirable than a... 600-gram critter thinking you can take on a 275-pound human and win, but they do. Uh, but but no, there's, it's never too much. Uh, I used to breed them. Uh, I Rat like rats, I mean. You used to breed rats? Yeah. Uh, may I ask why? <laughs> <laughs> sure. We, we need to, goes back to the dog training that we talked about, and we want a particular type of rat to train the dogs on. Oh. Uh, lab rats that you get in the pet shop aren't very spirited. They, they, they've lost their fight in life. The wild rats you can't handle. Uh, they're, they're just too ferocious to touch. Uh, if you breed one to the other, you get a critter that's got an attitude, but you can handle it. So we use those to train the dogs with. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was actually thinking of something that you just sort of touched on, it would appear to me that in in the ecosystem of New York City, rats don't really have uh, an important function. Whereas if we're talking of a, a rural setting, they would have a function. You wouldn't want to necessarily eradicate them. I can't think of any function that rats perform other than being very nice pets by the way if you want to keep one in your <laughs> home they're they're delightful they're intelligent they're they're clean they're 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 everything and and they'll sleep in your pocket and they're very cute really uh but in in the countryside they're they're uh, devastating uh, oh. 
they they migrate to to the feed they they do vector disease but uh between you and me we'll we'll just keep it between us the the new york city rats are pretty healthy really uh as compared to other places we we don't we don't vector a lot of disease the primary disease that we encounter is leptospirosis but uh to my knowledge, nobody in our group has died of black plague or uh, hantavirus or anything else. Uh, so, so our rats here are pretty clean. Uh-huh. Uh, in the countryside where we do go, uh, organic farms must control rats and they can't use poison. So we service organic farms where uh, they need to have some rat control but but are limited in what they can do but uh rats are no good loose in the city and they're no good uh on the farms uh simply because they're the potential for carrying disease and uh the fact that they destroy property and whatever how common would they be like out here in the suburbs say that again how common would they be out here in the suburbs I think most people would think, yeah, I'm safe from rats here, but are, are they around? Sure. Oh, God. <laughs> sure. Almost anywhere you go, they're rats. Wow. Uh, it's said in New York that you're never more than 30 feet away from a rat, and I believe that. Wow. Uh, you're not going to see them. Uh, they don't want to see you. You you won't see them, but they're there. Uh, you're sitting right now in, in suburban Tenafly. And I won't tell you where the rats are here. And they're not very many of them, but they're here. Wow. In a, in a single night, I guess, when you go out on a hunt, uh, upwards of how many rats might a dog kill? Uh, that is the question that is asked at every single swinging interview without <laughs> okay. fail. And I've stopped answering it. Uh. Uh, to us... How many rats we get isn't important. What's important is how many rats we don't get. Mm. Uh, Last week, a couple weeks ago maybe, last week, we were out and and the weather wasn't awfully good, but we didn't see a lot of rats. So that night we took 23 rats, which is a pretty disgustingly low figure. Mm. However... We didn't see many more. The dogs did a good job. So if you ask me if you got 23 rats, I'm kind of ashamed of that. Uh, if you ask me how got aw- how many got away, maybe a dozen, and I'm real proud of that. Yeah. So don't ask me how many we got. <laughs> ask me how many got away. Okay. I'll know that for next time. Um, you talked about being involved in some studies and, and donating rats for DNA studies. On a typical night, though, what do you do with the rats? It depends. It uh, depends on the circumstances. Uh, sometimes we keep them and freeze them and give them to our friends who hunt hawks. Whoa. Uh, they're a diet for the, for the wintertime. Uh, sometimes they go to... The universities for study. Columbia is doing a uh, disease study at this point. So some of them go to Columbia in total. Uh, 
when they do DNA studies, it's just the tails. And sometimes they go right back home to the garbage where they lived. Uh, we don't ever leave piles of them on the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't don't give me complaints that the rat guys must have been here because I got dead rats lying all over. Uh, <laughs> we don't do that. Uh, we have a, a very large, very sanitary rat bag. And if you're the newest hunter in the group, <laughs> you carry the, the rat, rat bag. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Um, I think anyone who's been on the subway has seen those baited rat traps. Um, I'm wondering how effective those are and also like what other measures the city takes to, you know, lessen the, the rat population. The city tries very hard and they're very effective. Oh. Uh, their program is the best in the country. Uh, the young lady that administers it, whose name I can't think of right at the moment, is extremely competent, extremely dedicated. It's an uphill battle, folks. Uh, the most commonly used poison is what you're seeing in those boxes is a warfarin derivative. And the way it works is to anticoagulate the rat's blood to the point where it bleeds to death internally. Oh, wow. Now, it takes days for this to build up in the rat to the point where it's going to kill them. Uh, if you're wondering how toxic warfarin is, it's exactly the same thing used as an anticoagulant for heart patients in humans. So uh, you're taking a form of rat poison if you're on warfarin. Wow. Uh, not the same thing, of course. But it takes days to build up, and then it takes days for the rat to bleed out. And it normally comes up and does it in front of the world. So it's not very, not very pleasant for the rat, and it's not very pleasant for the people. And... It's not very effective uh, by nature. It's not designed to be. Uh, it's designed not to be dangerous. So the city uses a lot of warfarin-based uh, traps, as do the commercial exterminators. There's another method, which is known as tracking powder, and tracking powder has none of the uh, downside of uh, warfarin derivatives. It's powder that you put around the hole where the rat lives. The rat comes out of the hole, picks up the powder on its fur, and if you'll recall, I said it was rats were inherently clean. They licked the powder off. Mm. The powder is zinc phosphide, which mixes with the stomach acid in the rat, turns to zinc phosphide, uh, which is a gas used in chemical warfare, and it kills the rat damn quick. Wow. Now, that sounds good until you realize that it's toxic to everything. Mm. It's toxic to my dogs. It's toxic to the rats. It's toxic to the raptors that eat the rats. Uh the city uses very little of that. They use it judiciously, 
and they make it well known when they use it, and we support it. Uh, we th we think it's a good thing. Uh, they've tried other things, such as uh, putting the rats to sleep by filling the holes with dry ice and then packing them in. <laughs> and if you watch the unveiling of that program, you'll see our illustrious mayor uh, packing the hole with dry ice and stomping it down. And in the back of the newscast, you see all the rats evacuating through the back door oh, no. while de Blasio is filling the hole. That's uh, hilarious. It works. It's non-toxic. Uh, it doesn't pollute the atmosphere, but it's... Not really effective. Yeah, I guess sometimes if it's like 2 a.m. and you're on a subway platform, you'll see some rats that are moving slow, kind of like they're drunk. I guess maybe those are the ones that have had that anticoagulant and they're on their way to death. Yeah. You'll see that. You'll see, that, that could be. We've, we had some slow-moving rats last week as a result of the cold weather. Oh, okay. Uh, so it, it's not always if you see a slow-moving rat, that's not always the case, but it could be. Uh, our whole reason for being uh, resulted from uh, being over in Liberty State Park here in Jersey and uh, the superintendent of the park approached us and said, you know, we're using this rat poison. We can't keep up and the rats are coming out and dying in front of the tourists. And Daddy, what's that animal <laughs> yeah. doing? It's not any way that you want to... Uh, advertise your your heritage site, you know. Yeah, that's that's a real that's a real New York experience for people, though. When they say, "What should I do in New York?" <laughs> Have a rat experience. <laughs> we we take a substantial amount of rats out of those black boxes. Oh. Uh, they finish the the warfarin. They take it out of the box, move in, set up housekeeping. So <laughs> actually, your exterminators that aren't servicing these boxes every couple days are doing the rats a favor by providing subsidized housing uh, and they do use it they'll eat each other right pardon me the rats will eat another dead rat yeah that well they'll they'll eat live right they'll eat each other live they're they're oh. they're cannibalistic by nature oh, uh, one of the one of the reasons for our popularity and the approach that we get is what is the difference in the rats during the pandemic? And mm. they've all heard that the rats are so hungry, they're eating each other. Well, yes, they are, but they do anyway. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing like <laughs> if, if, if you wake up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed, there's nothing wrong with eating your buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, it's done all the time. So then, I mean, has the... Has the, the, the government or the city asked you to or said that maybe they would support your program and expand it and put money into it at all? Uh, we have a strange and wonderful relationship with the city, which is none. Why? Uh, because we don't exist. Uh, we, we have... Uh, we do what we do with a, a whole lot of freedom. Okay. Uh, we've been recognized by the city for our services to uh, whatever. We talk to the city almost weekly, but we'll never admit to that. Uh. Uh, nor will they ever admit to talking to us. But where there's a problem where uh, 
oh, there's a, a public hue and cry about nothing being done. Somehow or other, we managed to get there and provide a visible response to the complaint. But mm. we have no relationship whatsoever with the city. So I'd imagine that the city will never fully be rid of rats. They'll always be around. Oh, no. Neither will any place else. Yeah. They've been around 400, 500 years, more, uh, from Africa to wherever. And and you can't get rid of them. Uh, they originated in Africa. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. Well, they, they originated in Africa, but uh, the taxonomist that decided he was going to classify every breathing animal, Linnaeus. Yeah sat down and started picking out names for animals. And Rattus is, is of course, uh, the genus. Then he got to the species, and, and Linnaeus, of course, was a Swede. So he said, what can I name this disgusting little vermin that runs around? And he said, I'll call it Norwegian. And that's exactly how the Norwegian rat got its name. Not because it originated in Norway. Wow. And then through shipping and transportation, they've spread everywhere. Uh, one of the, the, the classic examples of, of rat infestation is the, uh, the Norwegian rat getting to Hawaii. And, of course, it was shipped in. And the population grew and grew and grew. And... The uh, state fathers thought, what are we going to do? Let's try a natural solution. So they imported mongoose, which kill oh, rats no. very effectively. And the only little miscalculation they made was the fact that the rats are diurnal and the mongoose are nocturnal. So they never quite met up. Oh, man. So I have a friend of mine now who, with his terriers, is employed by the state of Hawaii to go take out mongoose. Because the island's overrun with them. So he has a pretty good deal where they, they ferry his butt around the islands in a private plane to reduce the mongoose populations. That's really interesting. Do the dogs have to get uh, like shots or treatments just in case they get bit? They get bit all the time. Uh, it's Ooh. not uncommon and it's not of in case of. It's they do. Ah. Uh, more so until they learn what part of the rat to grab. You you really want to grab the sharp end uh, because that way it doesn't do you uh -huh. damage. But if you don't, then you're going to get you're going to get bit. And of course, they have a full protocol of shots. However, uh, they get more immunity through natural challenge, and our dogs will frequently display uh, leptospirosis antibodies uh, for types of uh, lepto that aren't covered by the vaccine. What is lepto? Oh, it's a bacterial disease. Uh, can be fatal, usually Ooh. not. Uh, it comes from feces. It's spread through feces and water and that sort of thing. Uh, there's a lot of it around and it mutates about every 20 minutes. And there's a vaccine available, but it only covers four of the serovars. There are more than 280 known. So really there isn't a vaccine. And the way we get 
protection is, is through this natural challenge. Huh. But in 30 years, we've never had an actually sick dog. So it, wow. it works. Do you ever go into like apartment buildings inside? Yeah. Uh, if, if somebody calls us or, or more frequently emails us, we go. Even if we don't think we can do any good. Uh, I had a lady call me uh, Saturday night, and I, I guess I'd been drinking or something. But she said she had a rat in her bathtub on the third or fourth floor of her apartment. Would we come and get the rat out? And I said, well, all right, fine, we'll do that. Kind of laughing at myself. And I went in and I took the rat out, which wasn't any major problem. But the result of that was she went out and found us, oh, five or six really good places to hunt. Ah, okay. So even what looks like a, a dead-end call for us, we don't want one rat. We don't want right. a dozen rats. We don't... Uh, we want a, a bunch of rats, but we go everywhere because you never know what it's going to turn into. When I was in Thailand, somebody told me that because Bangkok, like some other cities on the water, is essentially starting to sink, uh, it's kind of common to have a snake come up through a toilet. Sure. And I had first heard of you all because you were on a short little dock like last week from Make a Change. I had had Sam, who, who does that on my podcast like a year ago. And in there, there's a video of, of a rat coming up through a toilet. H have you heard of that being a common thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, sure. It, it, that, that, that's almost a daily occurrence somewhere. Uh, I don't mean it's frequent. I don't mean you're going to go home and find a rat in your bathroom. But anytime you get an unexplained rat in, oh, we had one down around... Uh, Rector Street, somewhere mm. down around there, uh, of a rat in a seventh floor penthouse apartment in a converted factory. And the reason I mentioned that is because the walls were solid brick. There was no way the rat could travel ah. anywhere. And the guy said, uh, oh, there's a rat in my apartment. And I said to we took some dogs up and scanned the apartment, and I said, "There's no rat in your apartment. I will, I will guarantee that. There's a rat in my apartment." He called back. He said, "My wife just moved out. She saw the rat. There's a rat <laughs> in my apartment." We took the dogs up. We scanned the apartment with the dog. There's no rat in your apartment. Finally, after two months, something like that, the dog got the rat. But the rat had been coming and going through the toilet. Wow. That's a nightmare, honestly. That's horrible. Oh, man. Um, all right. So if I guess you are welcoming people if they want to attend, like how could somebody maybe get involved if they wanted to join a hunt? Well, we, we've... We used to make it easy. Okay. Uh, we don't make it easy anymore. Uh, you've got to have a reasonably manageable dog mm. that stands a prayer of succeeding. Uh, 
So we invite you to an interview, and we make it darn difficult for you to get to the interview. Okay. We usually hold it the other end of the state. Uh, if you survive that, we invite you out for one night, and at the end of the night, we take a vote as to whether we want to invite you back or not. The guy that showed up with his very nice dog with a bicycle with a baby stroller attached to it oh, on the no. back and ferried his dog from rat hole to rat hole in the baby stroller didn't get an invitation. <laughs> oh, man. That's kind of weird, huh? Wow. Um, all right, well, I'll... If it's fair to, I'll link to the, the Facebook, I guess. Is there anywhere you want people to learn more about you or? Well, we, we, we don't do money very well. Mm. Uh, anytime you introduce money into an activity, you, you, you lose something. And inevitably, money becomes more important than whatever it is you're doing. Mm. We've resisted that, and uh, we get by. We, we have a treasury of sorts, uh, which right now is, is embarrassingly small. Uh, but we, we try to... I forget what the... What was the... Well, is there is there a way that you want people to learn more oh, about yes, you or okay. get involved? Yeah. Right now, all we have is Facebook. Yeah. Uh, we would like to get a website going. Uh, ah, okay. Since it's obvious we're going to be around for a while, but uh, that's a, a money issue. And and right now mm. we're going to go back into a uh, uh, a money raising thing so we can build our treasury up. We drank it all at the New Year's party. <laughs> All right, so I'll, for, for now, I will link to the Facebook account so people for can now, check it, that out. For now, it's Facebook. We have a, an email address at uh, rats, R-A-T-S, at I-X dot netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M dot com. Cool. Uh, and those are our means of contact. We have a, a guy who does nothing but uh, ride herd on the Facebook page, so you, you get an answer pretty quick. Okay, cool. Uh, so people can check that out directly through the app that you're listening to this through. Uh, Richard, thank you. This is fascinating, very interesting and unique. Um, so uh, I really appreciate the time today. Glad to do it. Cool. Hey, Voyagers. That is a wrap on episode 202 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you so much to Richard and thank you to Rats, <laughs> the Riders Alley Trencher Fed Society. Uh, really cool one. And it was nice to, to get out of the city and uh, to meet uh, Richard at his home and have this conversation. So one final thanks to him. Thanks to all of you Voyagers for tuning in as always. I will talk to you very, very soon. And as always, folks, please take care of each other. Catch you next time.